Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. What's up, everybody? What day is it? It's Friday all day long. Happy Friday to you. I mean, your weekend's basically started. What are you doing? Just uh, hang out with us for the next two hours. Don't be productive with your work when you can just <laughs> hang out with us. Why would you? No, it's hey, Friday, you... man. You're just supposed to relax, man. You're only supposed to work two hours on Friday. It's when you first get there, and that's it. Well, sure. You can, so you can feel like you're on vacation. Go to lunch early. Uh, come back. Buy some stuff on the internet. And uh, listen to us. We appreciate it. Um, so... I've listened to the station again today at various parts of the day, and and people are still mad about what happened last Saturday. And as Buck Rising told me, the segment that I jumped on with him, he said, this is the first time all week that I haven't had people waiting to talk about, I want this done, I want this done, I want this Ooh. guy, I want... And we've almost a, a week. Almost a week. Yeah. Almost tomorrow's a week. Yeah. So, I mean, this is this is technically the, the seventh day, mm. I guess. So, oh, so they're almost day. like I was when I said I didn't get over the 2,000 loss to the Ravens. said it took me two weeks. To, to move forward. They're never forgotten. But, uh, yeah, so the fans are actually a little ahead of time. But, you know, there's so many other distractions and news and everything else going on in sports. Uh, I, I'm more interested to see, are they going to watch the games this weekend? Are you going to watch the Bengals-Chiefs game and things of that nature? And who do you think is going to win? Or are you just like, all right, I'm ready to move forward? I, we asked this this question, and here's the way we ask it. It's Blaine and Mickey Twitter account. Please follow us there if you haven't. Um, Titans fans, will you watch either, neither, or both of the conference championship games this weekend? Now, this tells me people are healing. If you want to know what people are, people are healing. If you want to know what's going on with your fellow Titans fans, here, this number might help you. 68% say going to watch both games. All right. And, and I might say this to some, what does that leave? 32% of other people. Can I just say this to those 32%? You're lying. <laughs> what do you mean? How do you they're gonna they're watch? Because they're going to watch. Yeah. yeah. Now, there's uh, some of you may be so but, mad. But I think they mean like watch with intent, right? Maybe, like, and you. Okay. I'm gonna have it on. I'm gonna glance at. I'm gonna be doing other stuff. But I, I'm actually gonna be watching it because uh, <laughs> I want to see how the Bengals do. I don't, I don't know why I feel like the Chiefs are, are going to. As much as I like Burrow in this young town, I think they're gonna win. I'm not gonna say a blowout or anything. I think they're gonna win comfortably. I don't think their defense, they have too many weapons. Just, and I know they beat them earlier, and everybody could, guess what? The Titans beat the Bills and Chiefs, too. No, there was yeah. that. Yeah. Regular season and playoffs, as I stress to everyone, is different. So, uh, yeah, I just think, I think the Chiefs just have a little too much firepower. And they're going to sack Joe Burrow, too. They, mm-hmm. You think Chris Jones is not going to sack him? Yeah. Yeah, I was. Oh, listen, Coach Mack, I'm sure, uh, especially they have Chris Jones there, who's an elite D tackle. I think he made the Pro Bowl, I'm pretty sure, right? Yeah, they're going to do some of those stunts and everything else that the Titans did. They may not get nine sacks, uh, but they're going to make some noise in there and make them very uncomfortable. But uh, my man, Spagnola, in the first game I went back and watched it, man, he played a lot of man-to-man. I don't know what he was thinking. Maybe he wasn't thinking that day. He was like, ah, oh, we got him. He underestimated him. Like, hey, man. So, mm-mm. yeah, I'm <laughs> pick your poison. I'm, I'm maybe doubling uh, Tariq. And uh, maybe I got, depending on the type of players I have, how I'm approaching uh, Kelsey. I'm going to make somebody else beat us. Are you going to pick your poison? You're going to let one of them's going to get off and the other one's not. I'm just, I can't let both of them just run freely without putting my hands on them. And I know it's easier said than done. But man, I'm I'm doubling number ten. He wow, I mean he's up there doing flips, returning punts. I mean he did this one spin move. I couldn't have done it walking doing the spin I, move. I, I know what you're. I talking was like, about. oh my god, what is that? I was like, man, 
If that guy was playing in my area, there's no way I would have been anywhere in the screen trying to chase this human being, man. This guy. Wow. So they, they, they're explosive. I, I just don't see the. I know the Bengals, it better, it better be a shootout to have for them to have a shot. And I just think the, the Chiefs are better on defense than they are. How much of an NFL game plan is, and I know this is very general, but how much of an NFL game plan is watching film and going, okay, we're just not going to let this guy beat us. Somebody else is going to do it. Not well, that guy. Well, I'm glad you said game plan. Yeah. Now, you're not going to do it every single play, but you may say, okay, they hone on these formations in third down situations. They always do this. We're going to double them, mm-hmm. whether it's Kelsey, whatever it is. And they, everybody has their staple of plays that they run. It's about execution, just like the Titans do, right? That's how you get, you know, Henry on a one-yard gain. Oh, Lord. Or, or well, no-yard gain. Or no-yard gain. Right. So yeah, he made uh, people mad again. So, you know, so you, you try to make, you know, the defense where you kind of make it a little bit easier for the guys to eliminate one of them, at least with their team anyway. Yeah, so you design plays to stop them. And sometimes it doesn't work then, to be honest. <laughs> and you know what? It's so deflating. I've been there. Like, oh, okay, we're going to double to you. I said, oh, okay, but you're going to be the one double. I'm like, yeah, I'm pumped up. I'm all in. I'm I'm going to shut him down. I'm not the guy. I'm, I'm the other guy. I'm over the top. Right. Yeah, then they, you know, he's, you know, come up and get your popcorn ready. And <laughs> 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 I'm like, dang, I was, it went barely over my fingers. <laughs> I watched it go right over my fingers. And the coach just comes out like, Hey, man, just get it next time. Is that like <laughs> Jimmy Smith type stuff? Oh, yeah, Jimmy Smith. Yeah, Jimmy Jimmy, Jimmy Smith and Fred Taylor. <laughs> they should have, and Baselli should have HOF behind them. They were just that freaking good. Seriously. Well, I'm sure I they're played also- against the best. They were up there with the best of the best. Yeah, I was right there under that. But they were, they were, they were, man, oof. I've always talked about Freddie T. And we've looked up his he's stats. Special. He's special. Like he's he's right up there with Rush Yard. He a lot of, lot of games. He did. He got, he got, you know, he had muscle strains and pulls because he was so quick and, and fast. And Jimmy Smith, you know, maybe the off the field and everything else, you know, with uh, his issues uh, maybe hurt him. But their talent, Baselli will get in, though. He, he'll, he'll get in. He, he was phenomenal talents, man. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been a long haul for Baselli. It seems like he gets close every year. It seems like okay this year, and then it doesn't happen. And it seems like okay, well then this year, and then it doesn't happen. That that's been an interesting odyssey for him, just kind of watching how that's worked. And, and you know, what's interesting is everybody. I'm, I remember really from the Jaguars. He bounced around a little bit after that. Leon, mm-hmm. it's seriously, he's yeah. underrated. And Leon was the backside, blindside of Mark Brunell. So I don't understand why he doesn't get the credit just as much as Baselli. Now, Baselli was the better talent, but seriously brought this, uh, you know, intimidation and mean factor and nastiness that was unprecedented, man. I mean, you can you can probably go ask Javon Curse about those kind of matchups. Yeah, I didn't see him in film, man. It's almost like, dang, man, is he punching him while he's down? <laughs> what? Do you see that? Yeah, man, it's some of the stuff, man. People, people really have no idea, like, what really goes on out there. Like, it's a... Uh, it's surviving, man. You want to be the one on the other end of that most of the time. Well, and, and Javon playing at like 260 pounds. Yeah. He was a, a speed guy. And so Cersei was 
Go like, you know how you stop speed? You go right at it. Mm-hmm. And we look at film going, uh-oh. <laughs> oh, that don't, that don't look too good, man. Hey, man, you, you pretty flexible as a He's trying to break you in, huh? <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, that's that's where we're at right now, man. So, well, where are people at? Titans fans, uh, blame to make your Twitter right now. 68% say they will watch both games. Here you go. 2% say they will watch just the AFC game. 2% say they will watch just the NFC game. 28% says not watching either. Still too mad. Puka may have summed this up. Puka. Both, but I don't care who wins. Like, uh, I'm going to watch, yeah. but I don't even care anymore. No emotional energy. No, yeah. I mean, I'm going to watch because it's football. Well said, you're right. I agree. But I yeah, I'm with there with Lucas and Puka. Yeah, I can't a- hitch my wagon to either, any of these stars at this point because I don't want to be mad, sad, or PO'd again. You know, at the end of the well, day, it, where if you're in the you know the Titans fan, you're looking at the AFC and go, "Well, I'm tired of Mahomes," and then you can't cheer for the uh, Bengals because they just beat you. I mean, so it's just like, all right, where do we go? Although there are some sick people out there, some sick people who want the team that beat them <laughs> to go on and win everything else because they can say, "Well, we lost to the best." Oh yeah, people always say that. But I, don't, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't. I'll never I don't understand buy, that. I, I want terrible things to happen to the team that beats my team. Yeah, I, I want the Chiefs terrible to, things. I want the Chiefs to actually blow them out. I, that's what I want. I think it's not going to make me feel any better. I just want them to lose. What, Lucas? I think that would comfort people saying, you know, Pat Mahomes does his thing and puts up 45 and they blow him out. Okay, we weren't going to get past that anyway. Can I just say, though, I want whoever wins from the NFC, I want them to beat the brakes off of whomever from the AFC. I don't want to see any AFC teams prosper. I just don't. Now, I can say this. Being an AFC guy, I've always wanted the AFC. AFC to win every time. It didn't matter. Even when they beat your team and yep. this would be more good stuff for yep. the Chiefs. No. Mm-mm. We had the Chiefs postgame guy on Mm-mm. yesterday, Blaine. And I said, hey, man, on the way out, like, what's the biggest offseason story for the Chiefs? What did he say? Oh, get another weapon. Mm-hmm. What the? What? Yeah. Did that not just send, like, cold chills down your spine? Mm-hmm. That got to be like, oh, yeah, they don't have enough weapons. Yeah. And you're like, this but Cole Hardeman, is he just, like, Well, I mean, just knowing the, the history of Andy Reid, he's going to stackpile those you know those weapons he, he i mean he really does that's i mean they're like toys to him so it, it you know putting the game plan together and say which one are you gonna stop yeah so no i want the afc always to win being an afc guy even if we lost to that team i want the afc to represent uh and win uh, i normally i i just i i don't want any more you had the bragging rights oh i don't want the chiefs to prosper anymore somebody's got to say because the titans can beat them in the regular season they've done it what two in the last three years or whatever it is okay, somebody go out and put on tape the how to beat these guys because it felt like that with the Buccaneers last year. It's like, oh, you just rushed Tom Brady with four people covered with seven. and and Or in the case of Patrick Mahomes, it felt like the Buccaneers had done that. Rush him with four, cover with seven. You know, they beat him up pretty good. But then Mahomes this year is like a sophisticated cyborg that was sent back in time, and he's evolving as he goes. But him getting knocked off his feet, Parallel to the ground and throwing and hitting a guy thirty yards down the field in the face <laughs> in the Super Bowl. In a Super Bowl, like what? It, it, it's tough if you're an AFC fan, and we talked about this all year because the NFC probably had better teams at the top, and the AFC had more parity. Is what it seemed like. Yeah, that's what it, it panned out to be. But at the end of the day, you know, the best teams uh, from the AFC. NFC will be represented in the Super Bowl. You assuming who got hot going into the playoffs and. Continued on in the Super Bowl. Man, I, I'm excited about uh, all four of the teams, really. I want to see what happens here. I'm really not sure. 
There are always upsets in the playoffs. You just never know. Every time you think you know, you don't know. Yes. Every time I, oh, I know they're going to know. I don't know. It just That's how I feel about this Bengals. Man, they should, they should beat them pretty. I think they're pretty. I mean, they should win this game by 10 points. I mean, they should be in Yeah, I, but you, I wouldn't be shocked with, you know, with all those weapons they got. If they get up, now you're chasing. Well, you did call the Super Bowl last year. Uh, I know. That's, I'm about being off my, my game this year, though. Like, well, but this year's been nuts and stays nuts. So we'll continue the nuts uh, with Buck Rising, who is crazy. Oh, speaking nuts. of nuts, yeah, yes, that guy. That he's nuts. crazy. Knuckle and he will head. join us next here on Boyne <laughs> Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. Kick it a few minutes here with our man, Buck Rising, who joins us. He's from the Buck Rising Show and the install and A to Z Sports and just anywhere that you look for content on the Internet. Just Google Buck Rising. It's everywhere. Brought to you by Two Rivers Ford. They're everywhere. They're home to non-commissioned salespeople. Appreciate them making it possible each week. Uh, Buck, this, as you walked in, because I always like, I like to come out of the gate with like some hot question for Buck, some hot topic. The Texans are uh, having a second interview today with Josh McCown, who's never coached anything but high school football. Now, he did play a long time. This, meanwhile, while the Jags are trying to smash Fangio and Balky together, just daring Byron Leftwich to take some other job, this AFC South is the gift that just never stops giving. They're really stupid. <laughs> what? It turns out. <laughs> like, you so stupid. Like the t- <laughs> no, you so dumb. You so dumb. <laughs> for, for real. Right. <laughs> for real. Like, they're just really, really stupid. <laughs> we can't say that in my house, man. I, I'll get I'm going to put on punishment. Well, like, <laughs> if Rabble heard you call someone stupid, my son, he'd be like, you don't say the S word. Rabble. 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 Earmuffs. <laughs> Because the Jags and the Texans are stupid. (laughs) I mean, I don't know. Like, the whole... (laughs) Here's... uh, The only reason the McCown thing makes any kind of sense is because everywhere Josh McCown has been, he is a notable leader of men. Yes. Right? And as a head coach, you can find coordinators who can bolster them, but... If you've never had experience doing that outside of the high school levels, it is difficult to imagine that you would be adept at doing it at the professional level because it's easy. It's a lot easier to be smarter than people in college football than it is in the pros. Shout out Urban Meyer, the last resident <laughs> of the AFC South. Just got to get a shout out on Urban Meyer, right? <laughs> that guy's still stinks. the dumbest thing in sports. Fruit, man. That guy's, right there, man. You know what? No. Urban, Urban Meyer may be low-hanging fruit, oh, but I just got to kick him and keep kicking him until, you know, anyway. Uh, yeah, they're really dumb. Dumb franchises stay bad. Turns out the Jags and the Texans are dumb. Um, uh, what is the biggest conclusion, just moving on into Titans topics with Buck Rising, what's the biggest conclusion that you've come to about this team or about that game or any part of how the season ended? It's the biggest conclusion that you've come to over the last six days. The way that they're playing football isn't good enough to keep up with these guys. I'm talking Chiefs, Bills, even Bengals as as Joe Burrow gets better and gets more help around him. If they don't get that man some protection this offseason, everybody should be fired around him because it can't be Quentin Spain giving up nine sacks and then chirping at Jeffrey Simmons after the fact. Like You want to talk about dumb. But <laughs> with, with these 
these three teams, all right, the other tops of the various divisions in the AFC, you are, I mean, we talk about Super Bowl windows, but even the window of getting left behind at this point, we have seen them have success with the style of offense that they play. And I'm not saying that they just need to completely revolutionize their play style. But when I think of the way that the Titans play offense, the word that comes to mind is stubborn. And at some point, you have to be willing to adapt, even though you have had great success with this formula. It has been four years now. It's not that much different from Arthur to Todd, other than the fact that Todd is not Arthur. Like, the play calling is similar. The schematics of it are similar. It's just who's the guy calling the plays, and the difference between Arthur and Todd is that Arthur has something special that makes him head coach quality. And Todd is TBD. But with all this being said, like, they can run the football with Derrick Henry. Like, you can run the football. The Bengals run the football. They do it poorly because they got a bad offensive line. But you can run the football and have success. It does not need to be, all right, Derrick Henry needs to get 20 attempts in our running game for us to have success. All these hollow stats like they were undefeated for a period of time when Derrick Henry got over 100 yards. I don't care about that. You need to play a style of football that is not going to make these things so tight to the chest for you because you insist on ball control and then leaning on your defense. Defense, year over year, Blaine, you could speak to this better than I can. That's the hardest thing to reproduce because of the physical toll that it takes on your body. It's difficult for defenses to stay that good for a consistent amount of time. I think they really need to have some self-reflection about whether the way that they're doing this thing is good enough to get them over the hump. In their current window, and maybe we'll bring that up again later, and configuration, can this team switch to that other thing? Or is it going to take another OC, another quarterback, the end of Derrick Henry's time here? What's the harbinger of, like, like the bell that rings in the distance and says they're going to do that. I mean, they damn sure have the personnel to. I'm looking at A.J. Brown during that 49ers game, and like that's as much a Ryan Tannehill performance as it is A.J. Brown. But turns out if you volume feed the football to your best football player, and at some point Derek, Derek is going to cease to be their best football player. That, that point may have happened with Jeff Simmons looking the way that he does. Derek is still a, a spectacular talent and has done some incredible things. But at some point, there needs to be this realization, and they know they have great playmakers. Julio is still a playmaker. A.J. Brown is consistently a great playmaker in these situations as long as his health holds up. They have the personnel to do this. It's just, are they willing to adapt their style of play, or is it going to be like everything else with Mike Vrabel, which is double middle fingers, I know more than you. And he's right, by the way. He's right more often than he's not, but he's, you know. Buck rising. I don't know if he's always right, but you can always catch him uh, before us on his show and with us on Fridays. Again, brought to you by Two Rivers Four. That'll be interesting. Just to add up to all that, if Vrabel embraces that, maybe you have to throw a little bit more to get to where you need to be. And that's one thing that, to me, the big question is everybody's talking about Tannehill and everything that is the question because that has become the norm. You saw the Bills. We would, no, you could say, oh, we would have slowed the game down, but would you have won the game? No. No, you still would have lost 28-24. You still would have lost the game. you got to put up points in the playoffs. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how much they tweak. I don't think he's going to do that, but I sure hope he does. You know what? Me neither, Blaine. I think mm-hmm. it's going to look almost exactly yeah. the same next year. Well, let, let's move forward now. I guess we're all kind of licking our wounds and, and move forward, at least me anyway. Uh, what, what do you see the plan of attack for the, the salary cap as well as players that are free agents and who kind of fits, you know, that they're going to bring back or not? Let's just start with Harold Landry 
do you think he'll be back? The roster churns every 30% every year, as Coach Mack talks about, and everybody knows. So you cover him closer than anybody. You think he will be back? Yeah, Harold needs to be back in some form or fashion, right? Whether that's an extension, the franchise tag would not be an ideal circumstance, especially where your cap yeah. is yeah. right now. But Harold, Harold should be their top priority. And as much as I love Ben Jones and as important as he is, they, they can find ways to get Ben back. I think that the priorities, as I look at, look at it with players who might be, who might be in question, mm-hmm. I think that Julio, Needs to be back, not just because he's under contract for until 2024, but because I think there's still something there for them to utilize. I think Lawan needs to be back, even though the numbers may make sense to trim some fat there. And Harold Landry absolutely has to be back. Now, as far as free agents are concerned, you know, I know people like Deontay Foreman, um, but I think that you can find ways to find another Deontay Foreman. It's not essential to have that specific guy back. Mm-hmm. You can recreate a lot of what you had in Foreman. I think that you're, when you're looking, going through the list of um, somebody like Zach Cunningham, I think that Zach Cunningham is a great player. I think the finances right now make that a difficult decision to make. Jack Rabbit, you can get out from under that contract this year. And in theory, with Caleb Farley, you have the talent there to kind of make that hurt a little less based on his development. But Harold Landry absolutely has to be the priority for this team to resign, and it's going to be somewhere between 17 and probably $19 million average annual value. But we all know if they can get them on a long-term extension, they can backload the cap hit and make 2022 palatable in a way that gives them some flexibility. It'd be a long-term contract, not actually an extension, right? It would be a contract, correct, right. extension, because his contract is officially up. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought all those guys up now. So then what do you do with A.J. Brown as well as their contracts not up, and as well as Simmons, who I think is what on his fifth year option. Or he will here? be. They can pick up his fifth year option heading into next year. Right. So that decision. So do you give him a long term deal? I would do the. I would do the fifth year option for Jeff because it's only ten mil. Like I think Jeff's going to be up up in that same kind of price range as Harold, given the quality and given the way that things are kind of shifting playing defense mm-hmm. with the interior pressure. Mm-hmm. There's a premium placed on that now as opposed to these edge guys. Edge guys still going to get paid, mm-hmm. but you're seeing the price point for interior guys go up. So I think it's more financially feasible to pick up Jeff's fifth-year option. Mm-hmm. Um, and A.J. is contract eligible as we sit, or extension eligible as we sit mm-hmm. here now. I, I think you run the risk of that price getting higher if you let him play it out because mm-hmm. you want to talk about motivated in a contract here. We've seen more pedestrian players exceed their year-to-year uh, year-to-year ability in a contract year. A.J. Brown motivated with money on the line, I think, is a something that you may not want to risk in the way that you did for Rashawn Evans or Corey Davis or another one of these guys who you kind of said, all right, go out and prove it to me. Show me that you're worth the money, then we'll talk after the fact. I think getting ahead of that A.J. thing would be beneficial. I'm going to throw something by you, and I, I learned all this my last year in the league with Andy Reid, is you sign your young players, you get them for cheaper before they hit the last year of their contract. Yep. So you give them an extension. You you may be paying a lot up front, but in the long haul, because you know they're elite players, you're going to win that game. So I would sign Simmons as well as A.J. Brown. I would be up to letting Harold Landry walk mm-hmm. because he did it in one year, not to say that he wasn't playing hard before. I just think he got better, progressively better. You're not going to be able to compete with the market. Uh, I don't want to franchise tag him, so I'm, I'm still hesitant. Just This is me. Uh, and I feel like, oh, okay, I got Rashawn uh, Weaver coming back. I got some staples because I'm giving that money 
to Simmons, as you address the guys inside actually impact quicker and sooner because of their location when you have an elite one. So if I don't have an elite player and I got Bud Dupree on the hook. So at some point, you got to start spreading your money around and not all of it to your defensive ends. Uh, and depending on what you're going to do with Lawan and Ben Jones and how you're going to navigate through that or even Sappho. Uh, to your point. So what do you think about that idea? No, I think I think what you bring up is absolutely valid, right? right? Because at some point you've already allotted your right. finances to a certain mm-hmm. position. And as soon as they signed Bud to that right. contract, the clock started ticking on Harold. You do have that kind of talent because Autry's under contract. Mm-hmm. Simmons is going to be around. Bud Dupree signed a five-year deal last offseason. The price point on Bud goes up. But also a part of this is Kevin Byard gets more expensive. And Kevin mm-hmm. Byard was saying that he is willing to restructure his contract to make room for somebody like Harold. But the thing that made the Tannehill restructure so surprising is that John Robinson doesn't do that. He doesn't like to, as I mean, he was the first guest I had on the radio show when we started doing it. And we were talking about the Tannehill restructure. And he said, we typically don't like to kick the salary cap can down the road, which is exactly what you would be doing in a way that Tannehill is going to make you pay for now with somebody like Kevin Byard. The financials... Get really complicated. And Blaine, to your point, I think that I think that of the guys who who are straight up off their contracts, Harold would be the priority. Mm-hmm. But if you're asking me if I could see a scenario where they let him walk because of the situation that you've just outlined, I think it's entirely plausible. Mm-hmm. And oh, by the way, I did the same thing Bayer did. That GMs don't care anything about. They're going to make go with their plan regardless of players <laughs> volunteer to yeah. redo their contracts. And and actually, Bayard wouldn't be uh, <laughs> like taking a pay cut or anything. He may be restructuring his deal where he gets more money up front, and though he gets cash in pocket to invest in whatever he wants to do with it, uh, then letting it go prolonged throughout the season. So, so it's it's a benefit for him as well as them at the same time. It's just not like he's – I know some people were talking like he was giving $2 million away or something like, <laughs> yeah. nah, nah, it's not, it's not, no. that work uh, – uh, that way. Well, and just just to just to note, his cap hit is fifteen point eight. Right, yeah, next so it's year. up there. So they may restructure his his contract. He's got the second highest cap hit right after Tannehill. Tannehill accounts for eighteen over eighteen percent of their salary cap next All year. All right, let, now I'm glad you brought up Tannehill. Now, if you're in the situation of the Titans, is there any way? Do you see? There's always a way, mm-hmm. but do you see any possibility of them getting out of this this contract with him? And, and as the fans want in a trade for, I don't know, first-round picks, may have to give up buyer, may have to give up King to yeah. do, do that. So you're going to do that and then bring a guy here you want to give a $40 million a year type contract? I just don't see it really happening unless, he, you know, John Robinson pulls it out of his back hat, <laughs> back pocket or somewhere. I, I don't see how it could happen. Uh, they they should exp- here's what I'll say they are going to explore well they every- have to that's what that's just, that's the nature of the business every possibility but if you're asking me if there's one out there that makes sense off the bat it's not there's not a golf Stafford trade that exists right. yeah. this year right that is that is the anomaly as opposed to uh-huh. the precedent at this point so to get that contract off the books it would have to be somebody who's in a bad quarterback situation but has a roster that's 
ready to win. And there's not a lot of, I mean, Pittsburgh comes to mind, but they should be able to get somebody like Kenny Pickett based on where they're selecting right now with as weak as the quarterback draft is. I don't see them being able to move that contract this year when it's so much easier to get out from under it next season and just try to continue to bolster the roster with the players that you have right now. One more question I have to ask. King has two years left on his deal. How long do you stick with this crew, the nucleus of the guys, What's to he give looking? him a chance to, to get to that bow? I uh, Listen, I think that I think that Derek the Derek Henry like peak performance window. Right, of course. It's probably next season. Mm-hmm. It's probably next season. And they know that, right? That's mm-hmm. the that's why that contract's structured that way. Mm-hmm. You probably have one more legit crack at this with Derrick Henry <laughs> as we all associate Derrick Henry mm-hmm. with being. Mm-hmm. No doubt. We're on with Buck Rising. Giving us the business today. Sure is. Uh, So you got into a little bit about Ryan Tannehill. He was a lot of people's anger uh, that we could go tomorrow. The other guy who received most of the anger was uh, Brian Downing, who you touched on briefly. What do you say to all those people who just still can't believe he's the OC and are thinking, well, they're going to coach the Pro Bowl, which that's odd because they didn't used to work that way. But they'll just do that, and then they're going to let him go. And uh, (laughs) they're just they're just it feels like we've got bad news for those people. Yeah, tough. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like tough. I mean, you don't you don't get to make that call. I don't get to make that call. Mike Vrabel made that call when he endorsed Todd Downing as strongly as he did. Um and you can say that's Mike being political or professional or however, but you don't have to be that str- Mike Mike does not do individual praise very often. And so when he says that he considers Todd Downing to be a great coach, not a good coach, because of his relationships with the rest of the assistant coaches on the staff, the way that he's able to communicate with the players, that to me says, plus the way that they're talking about it internally, that Todd Downing is going to be the offensive coordinator next year. Do you think? Whoa, 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 whoa. You just said he said he was a great coach? I, I, Mike no, said, I'm just saying. No, you said that Vrabel said he was a great coach. Hell yes. No, that Vrabel said Todd Downing. No, was that's a great what I'm saying. Coach. Yeah, yeah. That was a thing. That was a quote. Yeah, that was exactly what that was, I think. <laughs> I don't know what thing that was, but that is not true. Yeah, well. That's not, not a true statement. That's not true. Blaine, not based on. And, and the thing that's about it is, That's not a true statement. It if, looked if, like I, that. if I really give you, like, if I scouted this team and I've watched this team like I did as a player, I could, I could read every freaking play they run every time. That is not called greatness. That's the thing. That well, is not called greatness. Like, I can like tell Hilton you as soon as they line up yeah. in their splits, and this is what they're going to run. They got tight splits here in this formation. They're going to run this. If they run out, to get wide, they're going to run in cuts. I can tell you exactly what they're going to do. That is not great. You know who else did? The damn Bengals. Right. When they're coming out publicly but and saying, that's why I don't study exactly our team like there. that, because I'll sit down and say, this is my cheat code right here. And it's very simplistic. So him to say great is... Uh, yeah, that that's that's an outright lie. No, <laughs> no, yeah, notice, that's an outright lie. Sorry. Notice so, I said. Notice I said his words, not yeah, mine. Uh, yeah, I don't. You know, if he thinks that's great, then we we in a world of hurt. Sixteen points as the number one overall seed with that offensive talent. Uh, that, not that, great. That, that's not true. Not great, Bob. He got me rolling now. Okay. If we got down by 12, 14 points versus one of these AFC teams, do you think we're going to come back? Blaine, we watched With that it. offense. Blaine, we watched it in the championship game. They couldn't against Kansas City. Well, they, they, but they're great. He's great. They're great. Nah, that, that is this. Nah. I was sitting in the press box nah, with you for not. this Bengals game uh-huh. as they were down, mm-hmm. and it's like, hey, they're just going to keep running it. 
more running. They're, they're running. the only team in football that does that. Down two scores now, in the second half. Now, to, to your point, though, you can get away with that in the regular season. Yeah. But in the playoffs, it's different. Yeah, It's just different because the sense of urgency is there exponentially. That is, I mean, you just can't get by it. And we've seen it in two straight home playoff games. What do you want to do? You want to run the ball? Today, you're not going to run the ball because we've got one game left to make sure you don't run the ball. It's decided. Against the Ravens, against the Bengals, you are not going to be efficient running the football. We're going to take you out of what you want to do, and you're going to peter out. Man, you just brought back all that oh. stuff after the game that I had. You just brought it back again. out. That's that's why they <laughs> just brought it back. You just brought it back out. <laughs> Buddy, that's why I got a job. <laughs> all right, oh, if, you're, if you're mad again, 615-736-1045. But good stuff, man. Thank you. Have a great weekend, guys. <laughs> wow. All right, the hornet's nest has been kicked. You've got the phone number. Oh, man. Uh, also, I've got some Jimmy G numbers and some 49er numbers uh, for all of you who want to do some comparison. You're going to be mad about those, too. Uh, you're not going to be mad about this. It's Free Ticket Friday with 104.5 The Zone and ye old Nashville Predators. Big caller number five now at 615-737-1045 for your chance to win tickets to see the Preds versus the Vancouver Canucks in Smashville on Tuesday, February 1st. The puck drops at 7. You don't want to miss it. Here's what you want. More information on Predators tickets. So just go to NashvillePredators.com slash tickets and find your single game tickets and get yourself to Smashville today. Now call it number five. Get yourself some. Work. Boy, to Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. Appreciate you hanging out with us. Uh, phone line's open if you got mad again in the last segment. We just set things off with Buck Rising here at the end of the, the segment. <laughs> oh, I don't even want to read that yeah, one. Yeah, there are people saying. He's a poop play caller. Yes. Uh, Jay, we were. Stop that, Lucas. We, it, it, the subject of Todd Downing came up. And do we have the audio from that, Lucas? I, I know he you just, guys. What, just, what did Mike He just opened up a scab on me, man. That, 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 oh, it's, it's gushing blood from <laughs> underneath that scab right now. I'm the one that, I'm getting collateral damage. <laughs> Like, man, come on, man. I went back and watched the game like five times, man. Okay. Before you get into those notes. I'm not going to do it. Okay. All right. This is what Mike Grable did say about Todd Downing right after the season ended. Um, I think Todd does a great job. I think he's a great I think he's a great coach. I think he's a hard worker. You know? And, um, you know, there were there's always going to be calls you'd like to have back. There's plays you'd like to have back. Um, but, but I don't evaluate things. Um, you know, I try to. Try to see how guys communicate with each other, the players. Um, are we all on the same page? Is there you know, good communication? Um, how do we do on third down? How are we doing in the red zone? And you know, things have to be better in all three phases each and every year. But um, you know, I, I I love the relationship that Todd has with the assistant coaches and the players, and you know, we'll all continue to improve. I feel like the therapist here, but how does that make you feel when you're here? Oh, I had to take a deep breath. Now, now to Vrabel's point, I mean, he has to say he's a great coach. He has to support his coach publicly. That's like saying a player, that's like the players throwing Tannehill under the bus. Like, they're, they're not going to do it. Right. You know, and then he's going to be back. Uh, that doesn't mean he's not still looking for other coordinators and everything else. So I don't mind everything you say, but... For the word "great" is not supposed to be in part of this conversation, right? You know, hey, he's a good, good OC. He's good for us, uh, but great. Uh, no, the the great is uh, the the Chiefs and the uh, and the Bills. You saw the offense with those guys pulling the trigger. 
that's great. That was fun. So, yeah, I, unfortunately, I, and I get it. I get it. But, uh, yeah, I, I just, I just, I'm going to go back to what I said and immediately after the game is I just think that the offense is a little more predictable than I would like for me. Uh, the way I studied film and I went back and watched it multiple times and then I got a, the wide copy to see how I would approach and uh, all the, the tips that you get from studying from a secondary point of view. I just, I've I, I walked away feeling like, man, this is a simple game plan on what they do based off of splits formations and remember now I'm always looking at it from a safety's point of view so I get to see the entire field when I'm looking at them every time I play right and so when I look at them that's how I'm viewing it and I, I yeah it was it was a very basic fundamental offense based off of tight splits when the quarterback's under center when he's in shotgun what they like to do and as I said all season I said I saw form, some forms of west coast offense uh so I hadn't watched him, and I've been always watching a TV copy, but I got a copy this time, and it, it, it reconfirmed everything that I thought. Uh, but then I got to hone in on some splits and in-cut routes when they run them and when they don't. Um, the first play uh, they ran in the game, I think they ran that play four times in the game, if I can recall correctly. I don't think they completed in the play. I think he got sacked twice, incomplete, and threw the interception. So he ran that play, I think, something like that. If I can recall off the top of my head. And this is how I study film, and I, I can recall. So as soon as I go out there, I see it, I know what's about to happen. And when I call that, that's the switch route mm-hmm. on the outside and max protect. So I just. So like, if they were successful defending it four times. Yeah, why do you keep running it? And, and, and here's the thing. I'm always big on the counter because the, when you layer calls, you're supposed to then set you up for set another one. Up. So, okay, so if they're covering it the first time, okay, got you. Well, then let's run this. Right. And, and to their credit, as I said before, the second drive, they run a post behind. Uh, and uh, A.J. Brown ran the post behind. He just missed him with, you know, Julio still doing that curl route that he threw the pick on. So that's how you're supposed to run the combination route and how you tacked uh, a free safety in the middle of the hole. And guess what? It was open. He just missed him. He yeah. overthrew him. So, I, you know, th- those are... Those are plays. And see, I don't know, like, when ownership sits down and asks these questions, JR is asking these questions, like, you know, I, I wonder if they're having, like, this in-depth conversation about, like, why are we doing this? Those, those, those routes and combinations just wasn't mixed and matching. It just, hey, I, I would have been like, man, this, this is easy. Now, you got to execute and stop them. Right. I'm not even talking about the running game. I'm talking about all the pass game. When I'm talking about this, uh, when the quarterback's under center or when he's in shotgun and what they like to run based off their splits by the receivers. Yeah, it, was, it wasn't good. I wasn't even going to talk about it at all. I just wanted to see for my own sake of information. I want to know. This is how I used to say, and this is how I got that four in front of my name, right? It said four all pro, this will happen. Or four pro bowls, this is how I study. Most of the guys can't study like this and then go out there and execute it like that, and see it in game. Well, I wasn't a great athlete. I was a really good one. wasn't a great one. But but this studied, made me great right here. Yeah. That's the way I studied the teams. And what you're talking about, for people who wonder, you actually got access to a different, not the TV view, you got right. access to the, the wide view, the all 22. Mm-hmm. And so then it's like you see what everybody's doing, what their responsibility is, and what their reaction is, as opposed to TV, where it might be a close-up of somebody's foot. 
you know, or just right. Well, you never get the white copy because you don't see where everybody's lined up and who did he fake out and who did he didn't and, and all so, those things. So you reviewing one game with the wide copy? Imagine the Bengals scouting this game, right? Seventeen of those games. rascals, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Ooh. so I bet they walk in and say, like, hey, man, we know almost soon as they line up, it's about to be these three plays right here. And like Guaranteed. Mike, like Mike Hilton's interception where he said he knew one. Did you see that? I couldn't believe it. That's what really spurred coming. me to go really watch. Oh. After he said that when he went to the sideline, he yeah. blitzed and said, hey, man, I'm going to pick it the next time. Yes. They baited him and ran the same blitz, and he picked it. Yeah. He did it in game. Yes. He said it on the sideline. They caught him. I said, man, I really – I wasn't even going to go watch the. I, I said, I got to get the copy now. I got, this guy's talking smack now. I got to go see what <laughs> – did that really happen? Yeah. And it absolutely did. <laughs> it did. I couldn't believe it. They, I, that was that play. Yeah, that was it full time. Okay. Uh, all right. Well, here, we, here, here we are again. <laughs> We're on Friday. We're, Buck, Buck did this. Buck, Buck is enraged and inflamed. Yeah, he, he enraged me there, man, because <sighs> this is uh, – then you hear the word great. I, I, I'm sorry, Coach Vrabel. Yeah, I know you got to say that, but they don't don't use that great right there. Okay. Not, not after that game. Timing's everything, Coach. Mm-mm. Can't say great after the office looked like that. I know the players got to execute it, but that, that wasn't great. No. All right. Well, we'll try to do great in the second hour of the show. Doug Matthews is going to join us. When we come back. I do have some interesting 49er staff. Is it great? Well, it's better than some of the stuff the Titans did. And people <laughs> want to bag on them. And that's next. It's Blaine and Mickey. And it's Friday. Thank God.